Hello and welcome to the Free Mind Podcast with Seth and Nervoretti. This is Stephen Roblins, and we had a tremendous response to our episode about uh, Marty Sampson and his leaving the Christian faith, and so I kind of wanted to put a bow on that and talk about it just a little more. Yeah, man, it was, it was uh, as they say, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. <laughs> Um, all yeah. the, it, literally every day, like, I don't know why more and more downloads than yeah. typically we get. And, you know, I think it's just, man, all this stuff going on right now. Maybe it's people are like, what is happening? You know, right. want, wanting to, sure. wanting to kind of get a voice in on it. So it was a good conversation, but I walked away feeling like, man, we, did, we did, weren't able to really wrap it up. We kind of went longer. Yeah. Yeah. Then we had anticipated. fact, I think you had to cut out like cut out about two hours. Or stuff. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I don't even know what you kept in there, what you cut out. So as I was processing it more throughout the week, a couple of what reading a couple other articles, listening to a couple other podcasts, mm. I think we did hit the big themes. But right. um, this one I came across from John Stone Street. He we actually got had him on a on a free mind. That's right episode a few back the one called uh give to caesar what is caesar's and god what is god yeah something like that and if you haven't heard that yet i really encourage you to listen to it. he's he's one of my favorite cultural commentators he just mm. really has a good grasp on the biblical worldview and and taking biblical principles and applying them really well to right. these issues and, and at break point it used to be connected i think to the colson no it might still be connected to the colson center right but um they've been doing that ministry for a long time and so i would you know check out their podcast when you get a chance as well and you know we were talking kind of we weren't sure what marty sampson was doing he kind of talked about he was unsure of his faith and leaving and it looked like he was truly leaving christianity but he's posted recently and he keeps deleting his instagram posts so it's hard to follow the trail but he definitely said in his last post where he tagged a bunch of people from hillsong church he said i'm clearly not one of you as far as the christian community well and he keeps saying he loves us you know loves christians loves all these people but that he's definitely not yeah he's officially left uh, the faith yeah man which is you know it's it is sad and i was we were just talking about this i was trying to think of an analogy would make sense of you know somebody just really throwing away something very valuable for no like not a good reason you know right. uh for and, and we were we were just thinking like it'd be sort of like if you had a friend who had you know they had, they had their life savings and they valued it but right. somebody came to them with this scam and right. they basically, and you as kind of the third party could see that it was a scam. And you were like, listen, it, kind of like a, kind of like a proverb, like, do not go Don't this do route. It. Don't go this right. route, man. Cause it's, it's clearly a scam. And, and right. if you read this, you know, if you kind of like look into it yourself, here's some things you can look into, you'll see it's a scam and you won't throw it all right. away. Right. And I think, unfortunately, we're seeing people throw stuff away, especially the younger generation right now, oftentimes for it, for not very good reasons at all. Right. Like it's just, it's really flimsy, these kind of flimsy cultural slogans that you really could take them apart in right. 30 seconds and see see the fallacy in it because it's, it's just right. can't be sustained. But many times we just, like we said last week, haven't done a great job of equipping people in the church. And so they're, they don't see that this scam, you know, send your, send your $10,000 to set this princess free in Nigeria that, you know, that I don't know if you've gotten, I've gotten those before, like literally, I don't know if you remember that when it first came out, but it was good to know, like somebody comes in and they say, Hey, watch out for this. And that's in essence what we're trying to do in this podcast, because it's a scam and they're trying to take advantage and and it's really the enemy at bottom. It's ideas and images that he is putting in our culture. When you, when you're aware of the scam, you clearly see it like you know and it looks ridiculous 
right. and it's like who would ever fall for this but right. Right. you know you start thinking well if i set this princess free they're going to send me this million dollars <laughs> yeah but you know you start if you don't know if you're not aware and I, and it just many times are not a, we're not aware of these things and and i think man at one immersion camp yeah, had marty sampson gone to i really think mm. he could have you know spared himself at least from this kind of walk into apostasy because the reasons he's given are you know they're kind of the like we said last time the flimsy right not very good ones and and there are tough issues he didn't for the most part he didn't hit the real tough issues right and these are things that can be understood readily so but i I just wanted uh nerva maybe to read through i might have you read for me might pause you from time to time but this breakpoint article that john stone street wrote uh, last week because i thought it was such a good summary and such a good analysis of what we see going on in these situations. Okay, so this was August 19th, 2019. A failure of faith formation, what we learned from public disavowals of Christianity. Mm. Okay, last week following the high-profile falling away from faith, Joshua Harris, former Hillsong singer and songwriter Marty Sampson, posted this on Instagram. Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me the next day he deleted this post and clarified that he hasn't fully renounced christianity at least not yet still he admitted his faith was quite shaky he then reiterated his doubts and said that the majority of a typical christian's life is not spent considering these things because they fall into the too hard basket. Samson's claims, I'm sad to say, are not uncommon among young evangelicals. And let me just say this as directly and bluntly as I can. They reveal a failure on the part of the church to mm. take the difficult but essential task of faith formation seriously enough. Wow. Yeah, and I pause there wow. for a second because that's what we, we kind of hit on that last week. I hadn't read this article when we spoke mm-hmm. on it last week, but we touched on the fact that, man, it, it's kind of scary that many of these major churches that have had a, and are having a huge impact, which is awesome, right. not taken away from it. But I think that declaration he made right there is so Mm. true Mm. and something we should take heed of and and really say man this is something we need to correct and sooner than later well it's crazy to think marty sampson can be at a church like hillsong that i mean i was singing their worship songs when i was in high school years ago but for this worship leader to be 20 years at hillsong and then to leave the faith there must have been some disconnect over those 20 years that he didn't receive a teaching or understand or something over those 20 years, you would right. think some kind of intervention would have helped before this point Yeah, for yeah, it to yeah. get till now. It also speaks to our culture of feelings and how we just attribute feelings to truth and truth to feelings. And for sure. I always like Ben Shapiro's tagline, like, facts don't care about your feelings, yeah, which yeah. is tough, but true. You know, So whatever we feel or how the culture makes us feel bad about certain things, that still has no bearing on the truth. What is yeah. true That's right. is true. So. By the way, we don't quote Ben Shapiro here. He's a Nazi. Oh, no. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's <laughs> my goodness. That's what they call him online. Oh, but, uh, interesting. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild? Yeah, he's Jewish. Which he's Jewish. And, yeah, but they is... don't like him because he's he likes facts. But anyways, um, <laughs> wow. That's a separate story. But uh, yeah, wow. no, I think you're so right. And she's actually he's gonna he's gonna touch on that in a minute. But but uh, as you as you say that, 20 years, man, you're like, wow. How how did how did these basic things slip through the cracks? And I think you know every every church has its blind spot. When you look in the right. You know, the book of Revelation where he, uh, Jesus is addressing yeah. each church. He's saying, this you do well, this you do well, but you're missing this. And I right. think, you know, there, there are those churches that highlight 
um, critical thinking. That's all they do. Mm-hmm. And he would have, right. you know, probably there would be some blind spots there as well. Right. But as I think about a church like Hillsong that has so many good things going for it and it's making such an impact right. in the world, but to have a blind spot like that here where they're missing that, I, I, th- I hope... I hope that they recognize it as a blind spot and do something to add that to it. Because, I, th- I mean, could you imagine everything they got going on if they were right. to add, you know, really training people up in this in faith formation in this sense? I think it could be it could be really amazing. But mm. anyways, read on there. As I read through his description of what was happening, I thought to myself, which faith is he falling away from? His words reveal a lot. First, he described a faith largely driven by emotions. Losing his faith, he said, did not bother him. In fact, he's happy about it. So, if his doubts bothered him and his faith instead made him happy, would he then reconsider? Right. And that's what you just said, Stephen. Right. It's like the, the, the litmus test is, right. is how I feel about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, whether right. or not yeah. it lines up with reality and then that I have good reasons to think that it lines up with reality. Right. Exactly. But go ahead, babe. The fact is, too many churches sell Christianity with feelings. Wow. Mm -hmm. We're told how interested God is in our own happiness, our own meaning, our own sense of purpose. But our feelings cannot determine whether or not something is actually true. Mm. Before uh, before we go on there, I think that's an important point, too. Like, we we understand they start this in immersion. By the way, you know, we talk about them. You know, every week they they're one of our sponsors for mm-hmm. Free Mind, mm-hmm. and so the camp is still. I think they still have maybe a few slots open. So okay. go ahead and yep. jump on that camp. But uh, mm. the one we go to every year, Impact Three Hundred and Sixty Immersion Camp, with a two week one, they start the first night and they ask, "What is the what is the goal of life? Wow. What is the mm. purpose of life?" Right. And the kids intuitively get it. There's happiness. <laughs> And then he asks, how do you define happiness? For sure. And they understand, well, you know, basically it boils down to pleasurable satisfaction, pleasurable sensation, feeling good about yourself, like my best life now, like I'm living on top (laughs) of the world. And I think what uh, Stone Street is pointing out here is that we have reinterpreted Christianity in light of that cultural framework. Mm. Right. Instead of testing that presupposition, we accept it. And then we try to reshape it around that. And it just it cannot work at the end of the day. And I think this is the one of the inevitable results of doing it in that in light of that. And I think if you accept that idea that it's really just happiness and our pleasure and that's the purpose here, then of course any suffering you encounter right. is gonna shake your faith. For sure. And that's I think even Marty Sampson alluded to it in a post and what you hear from many people. Suffering is really the hardest thing to struggle with, you know. Yeah. Even Bart Ehrman, the New Testament scholar, whether it's contradictions or whatever he's like that's all fine but i don't understand how a loving god can allow the suffering and again if you have that starting place where i'm supposed to be happy mm-hmm. right if i'm not then god is doing something wrong or he does not exist and that's yeah. the rub the problem yeah. yeah man and you know jp moreland has a book called the lost virtue of happiness where he talks about how mm-hmm. this is really it's it's really two two important moves one is as, as thinking life is about me, you know, this individualism right. that right. just, I mean, we're just born and bred in it. Like, and all of us, no matter how much we love God are climbing out of that hole. Like even I, like we all have to remind ourselves, even if you know this, like philosophically, intellectually, theologically, whatever, I still find myself getting upset when God's not doing things how I want him to do it right. for me. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm wrestling right. with the problem of evil sometimes, like feeling like sorry for myself. But then I'm reminded of like 
the Christians like literally being thrown to the lions, you know, in right. the Roman Empire and, and the Christians in China right now. Right. Exactly. Being, I mean, if you read the book, The Heavenly Man, for instance, mm. about Brother Yun, it's what this guy went through. I'm like, man, I'm not even, I'm not worthy to, for him to, you know, walk across me on over a ditch. Right. And I've imbibed a lot of this mindset that life is about me. And then the second part is that happiness is defined as pleasurable satisfaction. He says, classically, happiness was defined as a life of virtue. Mm. But that word has come to mean something differently in modern times. And so he said, even when the founders wrote, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, they were using it, he argues, in the classical sense, where mm. a life pursuing virtue and character, which tends to result in a life of shalom or, or peace or, or, or a full life, mm. but not one that's like filled with me being feeling good all the time, because right. a full life often requires sacrifice, and it always requires suffering and, and learning through that. And I think... Um, that is so important. That point he just said: if you if you if you build Christianity upon that basis, right, it cannot stand the storm. Mm. I wonder sometimes too, you know, raising three kids. I see so often. Maybe this is just in America, but constantly it says like you are special, and you have a thing like you you are special, like you individually. And like I don't want my kids to think they're not special, but I also feel like that kind of fosters the idea of it's all about you. Yeah, and Preach. the gospel and the Bible is clearly not about any individual you know it's about yeah. the work of jesus christ and so even that sounds maybe almost heretical to the american dream <laughs> like right for us in america to say like oh it's not about you like oh what are you talking about like that's right and if you're listening today and you think you're special <laughs> you're not no i'm just kidding that's hilarious. but you know you're you're uh, yeah no you're exactly right it's like i, I think we are special in that but in a secondary sense of like and that's another part that was pointed out the camp like what do you think the bible's about Right. It's about you as an individual. No, it's about the kingdom of God. Right. And insofar as we are part of that and building for it, we are special in joining God's plan. We are image bearers. Right. But mm -hmm. it's not about me special like, man, I'm going to have the life of my dreams. and Right. Special enough to get that Gulf Stream yeah. or something. Yeah, man, exactly. <laughs> so I think you're right. All this stuff yeah. gets twisted around and we, we have this sort of like distorted picture of what biblical Christianity is about. And he's going to talk more about that, so I'll let yeah. you read on. Second, the faith Samson describes is an uncritical faith. Science, he says, keeps piercing the truth of every religion. I'm not completely sure what that even means, but it seems to buy into the classic science versus faith narrative. Okay, pause there. So mm -hmm. I actually just read a book this week by John Lennox. He has a new book out, newish, I think, called... Um, does does science explain everything hmm. you can look that up and yeah, yeah. fact check me on that but I, literally it's a, it's a quick read you can probably probably read it in a two-hour sitting maybe three hours um and it's kind of a he explains at the beginning as people that would read his god's undertaker book and say can you do a more kind of a simpler more popular level book that summarizes some of the main themes and this book is kind of that like hmm. he goes through and, and exposes the myths religion versus science warfare and it really is a myth when you understand the history of science there's a long reason for this and it's perpetuated it was perpetuated by carl sagan now by guys like neil degrasse tyson but they they continually drum this myth of like the the church has tried to hold down the 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 savior scientists of the of history and they mm -hmm. have you know given in sacrifice to free us from the ignorant superstition of the past and mm. helped us understand the beauty of the cosmos that and 
and that's all there is, was, or ever will be. And it's this naturalistic worldview, but it's built on this really, really well-crafted lie <laughs> of this of <laughs> right. the myth of of warfare between science and religion. And, and John Lennox, as a philosopher of science and also a mathematician scientist himself, an Oxford Don um, who has debated Richard Dawkins and many of these guys, he skillfully and knowledgeably points these flaws out. And I would just highly recommend that book if you get a chance it's pretty it's a pretty easy read yeah it just came out this year can science explain everything by john lennox it's only six dollars on amazon right that's now. right oh. so. that's right and now and i actually i just started my uh class for oh this uh semester which i'm like how am i going to get all this stuff done um so y'all <laughs> y'all pray for me out there <laughs> But it's it's one of my favorite classes. It's the second part of a class. So the way this works is you usually do you do one half of it in either the spring or fall, and you do the other half the next semester. Mm. So okay. I took the first half of this class like ten years ago. Oh. <laughs> Just now getting back to it. But it's called historical perspectives in science and religion. Oh wow. And and the guy that is the lecturing professor of the class, his name is Michael Keyes, hmm. and uh, it's K E A S, and he I think is one of the leading voices uh, historians that has exposed the science re- uh, religion warfare myth. Wow, okay. He's written a book. Again, I'm giving you guys all these books to read. <laughs> oh, it's called Unbelievable: Seven Myths About the History and Future of Science and Religion. And he goes through this, and so. I'll just give you a couple examples. So one of them is we're typically told the Christopher Columbus story. Mm-hmm. 1492, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. That's right. Um, well, Columbus was an alien. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, <laughs> turning into a very different podcast. Exactly. <laughs> but no, they, you know, they, they tell you like basically the, the church was saying, you know, the earth was flat and you're going right. to fall off the edge. And Columbus is, you know, his sailors were scared of that and everything. Well, actually, they knew the, the world many years before that was was a sphere hmm. almost all the culture was aristotelian in their um cosmology which hmm. required a sphere in the middle it, it was a geocentric universe where the earth was in the center but everybody right. believed it was a sphere so there was no debate about whether you're going to fall off the edge huh. the flat earth myth was something concocted later on by these couple guys at cornell in 2018 exactly <laughs> But, you know, so he goes through the history of that, what was really going on. Um, Aristotle, you know, was even before Christ, and, and his view became dominant um, throughout mm. the world, and re- especially uh, Western Europe and the Catholic Church. All stuff. There were a few people here and there every now and then, the kind of outliers that would claim flat earth. Still today, <laughs> you can find them on the Internet. Yes. But by and large, the church, you know, that everybody, they believed it was spherical. That In fact, mm. everybody that was educated, they had all these points they could actually argue and, and prove the sphericity of the mm. earth and sphericity of you know the the way that things moved and all that kind of stuff and mm. it was based on things like star positions and all these things that yeah. uh, sight from a ship and even even the uh, the actual way that Aristotle thought about the natural positions of earth water fire the way all that stuff worked mm. it it all like and one of the things Keys points out he said if if you ask someone today even a master's level student or PhD even in science most people couldn't argue for the sphericity of the earth hmm. we just accepted on authority but he hmm. said back then all students were required to oh wow, wow. okay but anyways that's just an interesting fact that these there's there's like there's a bunch of these stories and one of them was recently used in um, the new Cosmos series with, with Neil, Neil deGrasse, deGrasse Tyson, Tyson. yeah. And it's about this guy named Bruno, 
that I, I don't know if you saw that episode, but I he saw was burned at the stake because, right. and he exposes that story is basically, really? it was f- like filled full of errors and people, huh. people all on both sides, um, even non-religious people were saying, yeah, this is really bad. But uh, hmm. there was one guy in particular that was a, a leading, and this is in the book as well, a leading historic, a uh, scientific historian or historian of science. Right who was not a not a Christian and he was basically arguing that yeah it's 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 propaganda and it's a lie but it's a useful lie and it's a worthy lie because <laughs> science is under hard times in America people are still holding on to their superstitions so you know if you have to lie a little bit in these documentaries to to make the point then it's worth it yeah, and that's what he was okay. arguing wow. so there there's just a lot of these there's a lot of these myths that are created to give the impression that you're either a person of faith or a person of science, right. and Samson is bought into this into uh, this lie I see. Okay. in this case, and he and he thinks um, this is something John Lennox talks about too. Like, you don't look at a Ford engine and think, "Oh man, Henry Ford isn't in the engine." Um, therefore, there's no Henry Ford that designed the engine. Mm. And the idea of Christian theism was never that if you find a scientific explanation for something, therefore God doesn't exist. And that's why most of these early scientists were Christian. I was reading about Kepler this week in um, that book, Unbelievable. And it was really, you know, he was Hmm. one of the first um, arguing for Copernicus's view of Hmm. heliocentrism. And he, he discovered the elliptical movements of the planet. He he was Mm. doing his whole thing as a Christian theologian, like the beauty of God's order and his harmony. And, and he didn't think, you know, because they discovered these, you know, physical causal mechanisms that therefore pushed God out. He thought, man, the beauty of this explanation reveals the mind of God. And as we discover scientific discoveries, we're thinking God's thoughts after him. Mm. And it's just, you know, they're, this kind of like elementary, I said, I think I said last week, it's a coloring book version mm. of understanding of science and a coloring book version, understanding of religion right. and theology and how they interact. And when you understand the history of science, it's really amazing that you see how Western civilization, Christian Western civilization birthed mm-hmm. modern science and sustained it. Right. And that when you lose that, you actually end up losing truth, even in science. And that's where postmodernism kind of sweeps in and, mm starts to cash even the quote-unquote objective claims of science in terms of subjective power moves. <laughs> and we're seeing right. that in our universities now. Mm. And there's a whole history to this. But I, w- I would just encourage you, we're going to do some podcasts on this down the mm. road because we need to explain this in more detail. But if you want to start with a couple books, they're not mm. difficult reads. I would highly recommend that John Lennox book. Um, and if you can, after that one, if it whets your appetite, go on to God's Undertaker by uh, mm. His Science Buried God by John Lennox. Okay. And then this book, uh, Unbelievable. It's fun because it really exposes these common myths that we okay. see in our culture all around. And I and I honestly, after I told Nerva this the other day, when I read that Kepler chapter, it was like, man, it makes you want to worship God even more. It's like, mm. wow, he really, mm. yeah. he w- really is brilliant to create this universe in the way that he has and give us minds that can accurately conceive it and mm. mathematically map yeah. it out, thinking his thoughts after him. So right. that's cool. It's, it makes science fun and it makes theology fun. So wow. yeah, check those books out when you get a chance. Sorry. You're good. Love. Continue, babe. So good. So good. Okay. It's just not true that science is ultimately opposed to faith. It's not true historically, nor is it true today. Faith does not need to reject critical investigation. Third, Samson describes an uneducated faith. He claims that 
no one talks about the seeming contradictions in the Bible. The fact that the fact that Christian leaders fall or how a loving God can condemn four billion people to a place all because they don't believe. This, of course, is just not true. Every apologetics book ever written tackles these questions and the issues he raised here aren't even difficult ones. <laughs> Still, while Samson is mistaken that nobody is talking about these issues, he's not completely wrong in his critique. In fact, far too many churches avoid tough questions. Far too many fail to equip Christians on the current cultural controversies. In fact, too much of Christianity, especially evangelical Christianity, neglects intellectual discipleship altogether. Not even basic mm -hmm. theology is articulated from some pulpits. I don't know how else to say it. They fail God's people. Mm. Man, yeah. yikes. I mean, it's accurate. And, and I know, Stephen, you just uh, mm. you brought the word this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yes, I did. So I did. We talked about the resurrection from a historical standpoint. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. I had, you know, I actually had a gentleman come up to me today after the service. He's probably in his late 60s, early 70s. He said, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I have never heard any of the things that you Oof. talked about today defending the resurrection. Wow. And, you know, all I talked about was some of the documents outside the Bible from Roman officials and people that talked about Jesus, because, again, one of the knocks on Christianity today is like, well, the Bible is biased or the Bible is whatever. Mm. And so we only want to take it as true. And I said, okay, let's look at all these other sources of information we have for the resurrection. And so I literally went through them and I read Cornelius from this and such and Lucian, this Greek satire writer. And I showed uh, oh, Lucius, cousin Lucius. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but I pulled out the letters from Pliny the Younger and hey. Emperor Hadrian. like, And I, was, I literally just put them on the screen. And I said, listen, mm. they talked about Jesus. Jesus was not some fictional character. Like even... The enemies of Christianity, these Roman governors who wanted to eliminate Christianity, still acknowledge that he existed and died. And, and that gentleman cool. that came up today, he was like, yeah, I had never, he's always been a Christian, never doubted, but he still didn't mm. hear that kind of argument for it. Again, like Marty Sampson saying, no one's talking about it. Maybe it's an accurate critique, but that doesn't mean the information is not out there. And now easily found on YouTube. No, and you know, if you've been going to church all your life and the um, the preaching has been just kind of tailored to other things, you wouldn't even know that there is information out there that right. could prove this. And so the fact that you were able to share that today is huge. But I can imagine like, you know, uh, the I don't know, pastors, um, I would imagine they, they're not talking about this because they're trying to think, okay, what kind of service do I want to plan? What kind of event do I want on Sunday mornings? Do I want to talk about history? Do I want to talk about science? Or do I want people to come and have a, a time where they'd come back again and again? So there's that temptation to make it mm. um, inviting and cool, not necessarily um, build big disciples. Yeah, I think. Man. That's the temptation, I, I think. It circles back fundamentally to what is church for? What is church for? And what what is our aim? Yeah. And what we're doing? And, and I think you know, are we more like a theme park, Oof. trying to just make mm. people feel good, or are we more like an army, you know, or a, wow. a basketball team, or a, right. you know, what, what what are we trying to do here? And and yeah. how you you know how you cash it out in your church can vary. But right. I think still asking that question, answering that question mm. yeah. is going to determine a lot about then what you emphasize yeah. in the process. And I'll say even, I'm glad my pastor let me speak on this, but even I was tempted like Friday night, you could ask Whitney. I was like, I don't know if I should do this. Like I thought about throwing the whole thing away because mm. I imagine these like hundreds of faces staring at me as I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, because it's a big church it's, and it's not typically right. the kind of church that, 
necessarily no. would do that on a Sunday, which is fine. But right, right, and and I come from a very like heady place, and I understand mm, that, yeah, yeah. and I don't know how it will appeal to these people. Right, and so yeah, I thought about changing the whole thing, but but I was surprised. I mean, they they received it, and a lot of them said they enjoyed it. One actually, another young guy, he was maybe eighteen or nineteen, he came up and said. You know, I've wanted to hear facts about Jesus for a long time, and and that's what I heard today, and he was real grateful for it. So, you know, I think um, maybe we don't give people enough credit sometimes. Ooh, you know, I do think mm. that if you that's do really offer good. it, that they will receive it. You know, just mm. because it's heady or scholarly doesn't mean it's it's exclusion, excluding. You know, yeah, yeah, people, for sure, so. for sure. And yeah. I think that's good. And it's funny that he says facts like like right. the New Testament is not. Like that's one of right, the other exactly. myths of our culture. <laughs> yeah. But you have to right. explain that in church. Right. You know, like we're not often taught like that the Gospels are actually ancient biographies. <laughs> and that these actually yes. are the best sources historically right. for Jesus' life. But, brother, that's exactly what I said today. And wow. there was a moment in my message where I said, listen, if you lived in the year 100, the Bible didn't exist. Let me tell you, it got quiet in that room. And people didn't know <laughs> what to think. But I said the Bible didn't exist. I said the Bible was put together in about 370 AD. If you lived in 100 AD, you all you had were these biographies of Jesus, right. one wow. by Matthew, one by Mark, one by Luke, one by John, mm. and the letters of Paul. Like There was no Bible. These weren't right. put together in one book. So when we talk about the Bible today, it's not one book. It's not one thing to dismiss or accept. Right. It is a volume of works that we yes. look out each document critically and for the history. And are these consistent within themselves? Like the gospel accounts, if they're consistent, that's four sources of information, not right. just one. And so, but man, it got quiet in there. I even said, you know, wow. Christianity didn't exist until AD 30 when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You know, we say we have a Judeo-Christian worldview because we believe in the Old Testament and Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophecies, but Christianity as a worldview was relatively new. You know, it started from right. zero. But when I said that, it got real quiet. <laughs> Nobody knew what to think. But that's how we- Did you say, I think. can't get no witnesses in here? <laughs> I didn't go no, them amen. like that. It's quiet in this Methodist church no, today. No, no, I didn't want to say any of that. I didn't take no chances. Wow. But, but yeah, I told wow, like you might not have thought stuff. about this before, you know, and mm -hmm. that speaks to- how fast Christianity spread from mm -hmm. nothing to the predominant world religion in just a few hundred years. Like that's serious, you know? So yeah. anyway, and I think uh Siri just got us again. Yeah, but, uh, I heard I that. Really. We ain't called on you, sis. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, she must've been feeling that in her spirit. I guess so. She spoke up. That's your amen. amen. But yeah, and, and I can't wait because we're actually going to have Jonathan Morrow talk soon mm -hmm. from the director from Impact 360 on the Bible. Like, why do we trust it? Kind of a mm -hmm. little bit about its history. And, and it's, I think you're right. We we tend to think of it as this one book that, you know, and, right. and while the New Testament church already had, you know, they had collections of the Old right. Testament books. And they, in that sense, you know, they had these scrolls and right. all these right. things that they would study. And, and they had a canon right. of books that were thought to be inspired by God. And the there was this agreement of course among the pharisees right. and sadducees pharisees accepted all of what we currently hold to be the old testament sadducees i think only accepted the first five books and maybe a, a couple yeah. other a couple other here and there so there was debates back then but they had the the old when the you know jesus referred to the scripture and paul they were referring right. back True. but they also had these letters these ancient biographies and, and these epistles we call them yeah. paul's letters to the churches uh peter's letters they were circulating right. they were immediately recognized as being inspired by god but they were very much by like they wrote them like 
other ancient biographies and right, they were right. understood like these are actual factual accounts right. of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So right. it is it is really interesting when you start to to look into the history of it. You're like, wow, this these are facts, quote unquote, about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's right, not, exactly. you know, this isn't some good guys making this up. Right. Uh, or even receiving, you know, revelation directly from heaven. Luke right. was like, "No, I compiled these sources together, <laughs> right, right. and uh, I tested these out. I went back and talked yeah. to eyewitnesses, and here's exactly. here's what they reported about Jesus. Here's what you yeah. can know." And John, at the end of his gospel, of course, writes, I, "I wrote these things down so that you would have something to pin your faith on, so that you right. would believe right. that Jesus is who I'm saying He is. Like these things are written down. There's eyewitnesses. Go out, check it out. You know? Right, exactly." Exactly. But I'm glad you, you know, I'm glad you shared that stuff in the in the church, and hopefully, will inspire more people to just include this among other things right, in their exactly. curriculum for Christ likeness in their church. And right. I think, and also, just I threw it out there today, but I, I think you know, challenge yourself to think what what is church for? And I heard it once said, it's basically a hospital and and it's a training station for an right. army. Right. You know, it's kind of both at the same time. You're, and, and I think we've got to maybe move our shift there more so than kind of like a theme park restaurant. Just because right. once we aim, if that's our primary aim is get people coming back. And then we're going to appeal to, well, what makes them come back? Well, feeling good, motivation, you know, right. these kinds of right. things. And then it sets you up for exactly what we're reading about. So uh, finish that. For, was it the fourth point you yeah. were on? Okay, fourth point. Samson also wrote that lots of things help people change their lives, not just one version of truth. This statement reveals a misguided faith, one that smacks of what sociologist Christian Smith called moralistic therapeutic deism that the point of religion and faith is self-improvement mm -hmm. that's not what christian faith is about christian faith is discovering the truth about who god is and what he is doing in the world and then through repentance and his grace aligning ourselves to that truth now look i have no problem with samson admitting doubt most of us at some point in our journey of faith will encounter doubt about god's love about scripture about whether jesus is really god any number of things in fact i discussed about I discussed doubt with apologist Brett Kunkel recently on the Breakpoint podcast. But Marty Sampson was a worship leader. He wrote modern Christian melodic catechism. <laughs> he was tasked, as worship leaders are, with communicating theology to the body of Christ. Mm. Apparently, he was in church where no one was talking about the questions he struggled with. The church failed him. In his book, The Fabric of Faithfulness, Steve Garber wrote... That the reason so many young Christians lose their faith is that their worldview isn't big enough for the world. <laughs> this is a depressingly accurate description of what we can expect from a generation whose intellectual faith formation has been neglected. Mm. That's a good summary, Nith. Moralistic yeah. therapeutic deism. <laughs> That's interesting. What do you think about that? Moralistic How does that strike you, babe? therapeutic deism. Man, I'm processing that. Basically, that just God exists yeah. to help you be your therapist and... Right. Help, help you. you feel better about yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah. Self-improvement. You know, it's funny because I was listening to an old message with Derek Prince, and he said self-interest is the, the the biggest thing that hinders the move of God in a church Oof. service. Dang it. The focus of self and my oh, dreams me. and my, you know <laughs> what I mean? The old saints, they will tell it like it is. Um, yeah. Well. Yeah. Self. Me. And, you know, you talk about church. I mean, people have mentioned, like, we look at, we seek churches like we seek a mall or it's like a consumerism <laughs> kind of thing and I 
think it's a whole misunderstanding on both parts why we go and how we plan our services so right it's it's um yeah we do good to reset and rethink because this i mean this is the proof this is the fruit of it like you how can Hillsong? But you know, um, I won't. You know, you hear about one or two people walking away from the faith, and and so I won't make that the big example of Hillsong. They've done a right, lot. Right. You know, we're not saying that, but it is time to process and think. Okay, what happened? Why? And we don't know his whole journey. Maybe he talked to a few people, and you know, maybe those particular persons weren't equipped. But not to say that no one in Hillsong was, but right. hopefully. Um, the flag is, I mean, is up and people are yeah. like processing. That's a that's a really good point, actually, babe. You know, I don't want anybody here to say, you yeah. know, see, told you, because this one person. Because right. honestly, re- like, even that. William Lane Craig has talked about, has he mm-hmm. he's had a couple students that he's personally invested in that have walked away from the faith okay. over Ooh, time. See, that's a good wow. um, and that's him. You know, he's you sure. know he's the guy. But um, you can't look at one or two examples sure. and draw a whole conclusion. But I think what he's saying is sure. accurate, not just based on him, but based mm. on the larger pool of data. Right. And this is and this is something we have seen being in this world um, right. for years, and and not maybe not the Hillsong world in particular, sure. although we've been around folks from there. But but just the mega church world, we've been in the right. mega church world. That's why what he's saying doesn't surprise me at all. It's like right in step with the general yes. approach to right. Christianity in that Ooh. world. And I think, I feel like there's many, I, I might have said this last time, like this is kind of the first fruits. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of people I feel like sitting in this zone kind of waiting. You know, it's like right. you, you you want that, you want to go up to that buffet, <laughs> but you don't want to be that, you don't want to be that first person up yeah, for that like, second round. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. But as soon as one goes, yeah. exactly. Everybody. And, and so yeah. I, I yeah. do think this Josh Harris, Marty Sanderson sure. thing, I think this sure. is the kind of the first people getting up, going right. back to the buffet. And, and I, unfortunately, I, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of this. The people that have already, it's not that they're now choosing to walk away. It's they've already been gone for Ooh. a while, wow. at least from at least from the real version of Christianity he's talking about. Right. So they've been in this uh, the moralistic, Jeez. therapeutic, deism type of Christianity. It's been and it worked for a while. They haven't wanted to leave it, but now people are starting to exit. I'm changing right. analogies now, but people right. are starting to exit the theater, and they're like, uh, "I think I'm, I think I'm good to go too." Like, and right. and we've already seen this. Many of our many of our friends, um, fa- some family members, everything. It's kind of, I, I do think, though you don't look at the one or two examples, I sure. do think the stats, and right. if you look at a book by David Kinnaman called You Lost Me, and, mm. you know, these Barna, Barna books that, studies, yeah. that, yeah, that that look at where people are actually at in their belief system, where they're actually at in their faith, it's a grim, um, it's a grim, I guess, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, would be the word prognosis prognosis mm-hmm. yeah something gnosis <laughs> but you know what's scary, yeah. here, what's scary is like he says it here a generation whose intellectual faith formation is yeah. neglected well yeah. i think i think what it's telling is you know like even the william lane craig example you gave even the greatest christian mind of our day people he can tutor someone personally and yeah. they may leave the faith right but and jesus, someone, had jesus had judas jesus had judas that's exactly right 
But when someone like Marty Sampson, who has been in this church for over 20 years, mm. to say the things he's saying exactly. that are so misguided right. and are so unfounded, and like if someone I feel like did receive the training, they would not be making these kinds of logical Ooh. slip-ups okay. in their okay. leaving. Okay. Yeah, and yeah that, it'd be a, that's that what I said. It'd telling. be a different kind of leaving. It'd be, you Qualitatively could, different. Right, if, and if it was okay. even at okay. least a scotch more scholarly to say, like, I know this and I've heard the arguments, right. but I'm wrestling with this and I just can't get past it. Like, that kind of response is reasonable wow. if you've had the training. Yeah. Gotcha. These yeah. kinds of responses, it's just like... It, it gives okay. you insight okay. that there's been no discussion like he right. might be right like in his world nobody's talking about these apologetics right. one-on-one issues right. and that is like wow okay that right. should alert us like to say again I, I i'm not on a campaign against mega church here i'm just on a campaign right. for mega churches to add to the make approach. this a, one of the priorities right. um add this in man. and and i know that on one hand it, it sounds like adding in, but on the other hand, it sounds like he's saying you have to almost flip the whole paradigm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. the, you know, but it's worth it to consider that. Like, are we teaching a version of Christianity that's moralistic, therapeutic, deism aimed at their personal happiness? Are we teaching mm-hmm. biblical Christianity that says, you know, Jesus, you're a rebellious sinner. <laughs> Jesus <Right>. came. <laughs> To die right. to reconcile you back to God. Right. Now repent and turn from those ways into the kingdom of God. It's now right. available, and that's great news. I think this also goes to, you know, we asked the mountain prophet when we were with him what he <laughs> thought about nowadays worship music and songs. And if you look at the lyrics right. of a lot of Christian music, and, you know, some of them are fine, but you look at the hymns and the theology that they communicated in those verses. Right. And then what oh, is communicated so in today's songs it's a, it's a little yes it's evident that it's it's different it is yeah, surely yeah. different and surely not does not have the depth as before and i think sometimes even communicates things that are misguided and yeah. uh, like we were even just talking about a course of a song mm-hmm. where the bridge was break down the walls of tradition and religion and again the heart is like let's not live by the law we yeah. live to follow christ and it's like sure but that's not to say that every tradition is somehow evil or that right. somehow breaking down the walls will free us from religion. Mm-hmm. And again, right. it's this idea that religion is stifling and we need to be free and happy. And that's just not, it's misguided. Wow. It is. There's a great, I, man, I wish I could remember offhand. I think it's in Mere Christianity. You remember this mm-hmm. part where C.S. Lewis, he's talking yeah. about kind of guy that, you know, he wants to do his own spirituality with no map. And it's mm-hmm. it's a really interesting thing, but he mm-hmm. really breaks that down. But I, I, like you said, you get what they're saying, like, they don't want this kind of stiff, rote, external form without the right. substance. But right. you can't you can't have the substance without any form, right? And <laughs> and so you, you really just w- you want your form to be something that can carry the substance. Mm, and so good. that that the idea is the proper walls in their proper place, right? And tearing right. down the wrong walls <laughs> that yes. shouldn't be there. And yeah. I do think um, that yeah to get back to just the idea that we might need to not be reactionary in this case. Like, oh, no, Josh Harris and these guys, so we need to change everything. We should have already been thinking of this for a while, but if you haven't thought of it, maybe it's time to, like, think about it and process. Like, are we we aiming for the right thing from a biblical perspective, not to fix something in the moment, but... You know, if if John Stone Street's analysis in this article is correct, which I think it is, mm-hmm. 
um, it gives us something to think mm-hmm. about. Okay, and if good. we're part of a church staff or part of leadership is what are we doing? Are we making big Christians and disciples? Mm-hmm. Or are we just trying to amass a following and, and get people in the door? The three B's, butts, bucks, and baptisms. <laughs> right, right. And so anyways, uh, well, we weren't supposed to do a part two of uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Marty Sampson. This was supposed to be like the intro to another right. topic, So, but we'll uh, have to pause here today. And uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll let you take it home, Brother Steven. And uh, yeah. also, before he takes it home, want to just encourage you, if you want to help us make more of an impact with uh, with this ministry, to jump on the Patreon train. hey right. uh, We are actually, st- we're, we're going to try out a couple... Mm-hmm. video podcast this yeah. fall um right. one at, uh, we got we're lining up a couple of asbury yes. uh university that i'm really excited about but um we need help um just you know kind of providing yeah. for the equipment and and everything that we need to do to take it up to the next level so if you if you appreciate what we're doing you want to help out would love for you to jump on there also I'm just stepping on your notes now. But no, man, you're good, brother. The <laughs> five-star review, we got a couple right. more this week. Yes, yeah, we So trying yes. to get to 100. We got, yeah. I think, 85 right yeah. now. So right. if right. you're with your cousin, your auntie and them, <laughs> grab that old iPhone. That's right. <laughs> grab their iPhone. To grab their iPhone. That's right. That's Subscribe them. Yes. Subscribe them. And give us that five-star rating. That's right. Give us a little Give us a little blurb, you know. That's right. A little comment. That's little it. comment, it'll help us. So, so that's good. So it's patreon.com slash freemindfm. You can go there to support the show. You can go to the Apple Podcasts and get rate us five stars with a comment there. And we'd love to hear from you. You can comment on any of our posts on Instagram or Twitter at freemindfm and our Facebook page at freemindpodcastfm. We're so glad you joined us. We'll see you again next week. Yeah.